Today is May 31st, 2020. Welcome to Common Ground. In response to the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, we've shut down our scheduled sermon series to discuss our commitment to building a just, anti-racist, and anti-oppressive gospel community. Here is part one of the conversation. Enjoy. Friends, today we're having a different kind of gathering, as Chris mentioned in his email, if you had a chance to read it. Um, but I want to walk you through briefly kind of what we um, are hoping to um, walk you through today. Um, so I'm going to start with saying, um, yeah, thank you for being here. Um, Chris is going to tell us a little bit more about why this moment is important um, on Pentecost Sunday, what this means to us as a people of faith and as a community. And after Chris um, shares a brief homily, we're going to go into um, a time of sharing um, with this prompt. Um, I first became aware of my race when, um, and we took hours last night, let me tell you, hours of just trying to discern this moment and say, where do we even begin and how do we even enter in, into this conversation faithfully? Um, and knowing that we're all on this journey and, and starting at different places, um, but how could we start here together? So we're starting with story um, and I'll help set that up for us. Um, and, and then after that, we're gonna be, um, I'll set us up, we'll move into some breakouts. And this is gonna be the time where we're gonna invite you to turn your videos on and so that we can see each other and we can hear each other. Um, after breakouts, we're gonna come back into this large group for um, anything else that needs to be shared. Um, for the goodness and the, and, the, and the wholeness of the group. Um, and then we're gonna close out um, with communion and um, we're gonna hear um, from Sarah and we're gonna hear from Delante again. Um, and then Chris will close us in a benediction. Um, so, so yeah, move with us. And we're asking um, that you stay, you stay with us and you um, stay engaged um, and that we come in this with open hearts and open minds. So with that, I'm gonna um, turn it over to Chris to give us a little bit of why Pentecost, why now, why us? So our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter two, verses one through 12. Listen now for a word from God. When Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames on a fire, alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. They were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans? Every one of them. How can they, each of us, hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. 
They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them saying, they're full of new wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, we don't have much time today to discuss, and this is perhaps the first minuscule step uh, in the right direction to understand how to effectively be collectively an anti-racist institution. The leadership team, and from my personal values, have been working on anti-racist, um, decentered, emergent strategies, but we feel that it's absolutely morally, ethically critical that we train into, uh, give frames to, provide learning tools for anti-racist active participation in, in a, a racist system that we inherit. Here's what I want to, it, it needs to be said at the onset and is absolutely critical to say, especially um, to my white presenting folk. God has created each and every one of us according to God's will with the hair that we have or don't, the skin type, the melanin we have or don't uh, or have more of or less of, our gender, our sexuality, how we were raised. We have been chosen into a life and given the opportunity to thrive and help the world thrive through all that is ourselves. That needs to be made crystal clear on the front end. What is often missed in the church that we cannot miss today on the church's birthday, Pentecost, is that we inherit a world that does not affirm in its entirety that good news of gospel, decentered celebration of all people, all things, celebration in diversity, unity in diversity. When we see this story in Acts, this is the birthday of the church. A few folks terrified sitting in a room alone while the empire invited death upon their bodies. And yet when God gifts these folks, the spirit of God, they cannot help but speak in a language that makes sense to the listener. Pay attention because that's worth repeating. They cannot help but speak in a language that's recognizable and connects with the listener. So much so do these Galileans speak another's language that these onlookers, these hearers from all over the place wonder, are these people drunk? I wanna show you a map of where all of these people come from. This is a map of all of the places named in Acts 2. You can see from all over the place. If we just take for a moment the differences between Egypt, which occupied Judea for, in a different time, Mesopotamia that warred with Asia, Asia Minor, Mediate Mediates who were not friends with Elamites. Friends, the beauty of this, which needs to stay up, the beauty of this is that the gospel, the gospel in Acts 2 is that when the Spirit of God poured down like the wind, it was powerful and uncontrollable, but it united people from all over the world. Pay attention to this. It did not erase their history. It noted their history. Their history as noted like a tapestry has 
all sorts of colors in it. Unfortunately, the world that we live in today, we inherit a whiteness that is baked into our systems. It is baked into beauty. It is baked into our marketing. It is baked into our economy. It is baked into our criminal justice system. It is baked into our heads with implicit bias. These are, these, this is made clear across any sort of psychological study that black skin elicits more fear than white skin. That heavily, more heavily melanated skin is found more often in the prison industrial complex, is found more often in the military industrial complex, but is not found as often in officers training in the military or C-level, C-suite folk in organizations. We have in America inherited a system of whiteness that goes against the thing that Acts 2 is doing, which is celebrating, making known Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Judeans, people from Pontus, even Egypt, these folks that were at war with each other. Now, if we understand our history, racism was not invented till about a thousand years ago. It's been a long time alive, but let me tell you, if you come across somebody that says racism has always existed, actually, that is factually, historically, patently false. Racism was invented by the Roman Empire, by Europeans, as a way to colonize lands of brown and black-skinned folks and to build a racial hierarchy. Making white skin the preference and dehumanizing and devaluating, devaluing brown and black skin. This is a conversation that actually gets our Asian presenting folks caught in the middle or made completely invisible because for the most part, Europe did not colonize or extract resources to the extent that it extracted Southern South America and global South resources. So when we come to America, when we come to America, whiteness is baked in to our very constitution. A black person counts as three-fifths a human. A woman cannot vote. Chinese are excluded from voting based on their identity. Japanese, not 80 years ago, are interned in camps based on their looks. Puerto Ricans are not fairly represented right now because of their brown skin after dealing with colonization of Spain and of America. Friends, what is happening now is a critique of a system that was, it is functioning exactly as it should. A system that works for white people and does not work for anyone else unless they pick up the precepts of whiteness and play along. Now, some of you here may be saying, what is whiteness? And certainly we cannot cover that today or in the next two minutes before I wrap up. But what we can do is begin to share our racial narratives, our identity narratives. And here's why. Because as a church, as I did inventory today, I celebrated it. And I cannot go all the way through it. But we are actually, we don't have a lot of black folk in our church yet. And, and that's something to deal with as we decenter and as we become more anti-racist. But we are quite a diverse crew. Uh, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Asian descent, Asian Pacific Islanders, so on and so forth. 
And as we decenter whiteness from our very ranks and celebrate our racial identities, what we need to do is shuck away for the white folk any sort of white guilt on the premise of what I shared earlier, which is you have been created white by a God who's created you white, but that God has not invited whiteness into your human ethic. And in fact, the work of the Christian gospel is to extract a poison that oppresses white people akin to the way it oppresses people of color. Because no one is actually white. That is a construct that was built in order to sell whiteness over blackness. If you are, particularly if you are Irish, you came here probably with a struggle, but you learn, your ancestors learned how to survive by counting themselves and calling themselves white, grafting themselves into whiteness. And the way that whiteness works is it takes disparate parts and keeps them as disparate as possible. Whiteness cannot work in a gospel that binds people together based on their stories because whiteness only works to separate and hierarchy and the gospel only works to bind and decenter and make equity. So make equitable. So whether white presenting or not, we cannot help but look at this moment and grieve with our black siblings who cry for breath but cry for participation in a country that has had a figurative knee on necks of black folks since day one. In order to understand how to decenter whiteness and how to work as an anti-racist group, we need to start telling our racial narratives. A couple things here. If you are white, be not ashamed of who you are but come humbly to the table to talk about perhaps the first time you were aware of your race and listen to the siblings who were made painfully aware early on about what their race meant in America. This is like step one of 10,000 that we need to take. But the first one is to understand who you, you, you yourself are and the way you bring it to the table. The only way that we move forward into an Acts 2 type of church is that we celebrate the story that we come from, taking the parts that God has breathed into us from the very moment that God knit us in a womb and abandon the parts that cannot move forward with the Holy Spirit's activity as we are bound together as a tapestry. Know that all of you is not coming with all of you into the future that all parts that were given to you, all thoughts are some of them, actually the gospel would stand and say, you cannot pass in Lord of the Rings style language. You cannot continue thinking this way or not thinking this way in order for us to be bound together. Because whiteness has infested this place and is the common systemic sin of our day. And the reaction right now is the reaction of unheard folks who are begging to be heard in a system that has been built to not hear. We are not going to solve the world at common ground, but we sure as shit can start small and work on our own identities so that we can understand each other better and move forward. That's all I have to say today. We're not going to get a sermon. We're actually going to do work at Common Ground. We're going to start doing work on, it, on ourselves, first starting with us, 
first getting to know each other, being gentle with one another, being secure that the Holy Spirit carries us forward into the next phase. That is Pentecost. The gift of Pentecost is not that I speak a foreign language. The gift of Pentecost is that if I have the Holy Spirit, what God enables me to do is speak in such a way that understands the listener, not making the listener understand me. The listener doesn't need to learn my language. I learn the listener's language and the Holy Spirit bestows on me that language. The gift of Pentecost is that I am given tools to connect with someone else, even if their first language is not my first language. What does that tell us today? Our Christian empathy and solidarity and hospitality is willing to connect with any single identity and say what your identity is, is now an identity that I take on. Your story now becomes my story, not my story must become yours, graft into this culture of mine that's normative or that's secure or that et cetera. It is a learning that we must commit to. That is the gift of Pentecost. I invite us into that work today. Amen. Chantilly, you could take over. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, one of my, um, so a lot of my work, um, a lot of my work is really just holding space for people to sort of enter into these conversations and enter into brave space together. Um, and I just really want to like, um, just like honor Chris and the leadership of just saying, you know, we're not going to do church today the same. Um, and in fact, um, God's not asking us, you know, to give the same kinds of offering unless it's justice, unless it's, um, unless it's solidarity with our brown and black sisters and siblings. Um, so here's how I want us uh, to go into this next um, next time of our gathering, um, which is going to be a little bit of narrative or storytelling. Um, and here's the brief structure, but I want to um, ask if we can put the slide up about the guidelines of how we're going to um, practice this together. Great. Um, and if you could spotlight my video, um, that'd be great too. Thanks. Um, so this comes from the circle way and circle practice is an indigenous and ancient practice where people used to sit in circle and and make decisions and listen to each other in a different kind of way. So this is not going to be a conversation where we speak across from one another. We're actually going to practice listening and listening, hopefully with curiosity and compassion. Um, and that's when we um, curiosity is when I suspend judgment and I'm not judging what you say is right or wrong. I'm literally listening to be curious and to understand you better. And compassion is when I open my heart up to you. It's when I invite empathy. It's when I invite all the feelings um, in and I listen to you from that place. Another thing in circle is that um, we are going to try to um, speak from our heart um, and be patient with technology. You'll notice that we've given you a number um, in front of your um, in front of your name, not to rank you, um, but to give a little bit of order to our sharing. Um, we're going to be going out into breakout rooms, so you will share in numerical order. So if you are closest to one, you will share first and you have the option to pass and we'll come around to you again. So we want to honor silence. Silence is when we just take a deep breath. Sometimes someone shares something and we just, the host will say, let's just invite a pause because what was just shared was really powerful or it landed on us in a certain way. And sometimes silence is what we need to process that. 
offer what you can and ask for what you need. Um, sometimes things are said and um, it hits you a certain way and you need clarification or you need to say, you know what, that actually kind of hurt me the way you said that. Um, and so offer what you can and ask for what you need is giving responsibility to each one of us to engage this conversation from a place of what we can offer and asking others for what we need. So presence, be present. Um, this is storytelling where we listen with our full selves and also respect confidentiality. I may share something that I don't really want you to share with others. And I may share something that I don't wanna talk about after this session. So always um, consent is a part of that as well. And, and sharing is not compulsory. If you don't feel comfortable, be a good listener. Thank you, Chris and Joe. Um, okay, so um, I wanna invite you to practice just a minute of silence um, by composing your response to the prompt. Do we have the prompt? I first became aware of my race when? So I first became aware. Thanks. And I'll give you a minute and we will come back in a minute and I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna model that sharing and then I'm gonna invite Chris and then Lance and then Paula to share in just under, you know, a minute, um, a little bit over a minute, but no more than a minute when you first became aware of your race and then we'll break out into smaller sessions so we can hear from you in, in breakout groups. So let's take one minute of silence and then we'll, and I'll begin sharing. Um, we have just about, um, let's see, yeah, we have a little time now. Um, I wanted to open it up to any of the, the facilitators in the other, um, in the breakout rooms, if there's anything for the good of the whole that we wanted, or the good of the group, the large group, that we wanted to sort of bring to the center of this, um, of this conversation. Any insights or any, anything worth um, sharing with everyone? I wanted to ask if Chris and then Lance, and then I'll close it off and hand it off. Uh, in our group, we had a disproportionate amount of uh, Latinx people and specifically Puerto Rican. But what we noticed is uh, that uh, the racial awareness was either uh, not gleaned at a young age uh, or not reflected on at all for the white presenting folks. Um, but for any person of color, it was like first grade, second grade, like it was early years learning the, the, the social effect of their skin color. Um, and yet what I was reflecting on right before we came in is, um, but Jill's family is Jewish and there's another family that made its way out to Nevada and there's another family that's white presenting, but is actually Chuck, uh, a Cherokee and Choctaw. Um, and another family that ended up in, uh, Georgia and that, Whiteness is such a poison in this country that it mutes the stories of white people who actually aren't white, right? They're, they have their own narrative. And then works that muted story against people who have stories on effect of their appearance. Um, but those stories almost always start off negative. Like 
they're either they're at best neutral, but if you are non-white, it's often you, you're starting from a negative position and have to work your way out of your own story or, or sort of come to embody, come to celebrate it. So just the difference between this is where I'm from, this is where my parents are from, this is what effect of the skin was on me when someone's brown, and then the story of actually I don't really know what I am or why I am or where I came from or et cetera, et cetera, or when I ever noticed race. The, the, the starting place for the work that needs to be done is, in a, is different. So I would say in our group, Sarah actually um, brought up a really great point about just the way that um, for people of color, especially like um, she pointed to Paula's story that Paula shared earlier, right? That there was this sense in which she never had a time when she didn't not have to you know, be aware of her race. And yet for like the white people, especially in the group, some of us said like, oh, well, I didn't really think about it ever until this time or it was maybe grad school that exposed things, right? There were different things that we had to be confronted with that really made us more aware. Lance, are you complete? Oh, okay. Um, I feel like behind our stories, there's like a lot of um, this recognition that we're not, we're not aware of our race until we're othered by our race. Um, and that involves oftentimes even people in our family. I mean, there was, um, you know, not to, to name anyone, but just sort of struggling with colorism in your family where you're darker skinned than your other siblings and always never quite feeling like you belonged even in your family or um, the immigrant experience of being in a neighborhood um, and assimilating um, to a culture in a neighborhood which was not white and then going into a white neighborhood and having to choose um, where would I belong? How do I belong? And I have to choose, you know. Um, and so I, th I think underneath a lot of the stories that I heard was just like a lot of pain of like, you know, or even being ambiguous, you know, it's so interesting growing up in Hawaii, as I shared, um, that where everyone was brown, but not knowing that colorism was so deeply entrenched um, in white, you know, in that whiteness, that the darker I was, the less beautiful I was. Um, and then to move to, to New York City and be racially ambiguous, are you, you know, um, and that sort of came up too, of just sometimes not knowing where we belong, if we're multiracial or for multicultural or, you know, um, so there's also this sort of like, where do we belong? And there's pain in that, um, in that, so. But I wanna um, just honor um, just everyone who stepped out in faith, you know, to share a bit of that. Um, uh, one of my mentors say that the, the shortest distance between two people is a story. Um, and and uh, if there's anything that the spirit is doing in this day of Pentecost is that I believe the spirit wants to decrease that distance between us that we would humanize each other. I'm getting emotional. That we would have a deeper humanity. Um, and I think that sometimes when we start with analysis, you know, when we start with our race analysis, it doesn't often bridge some, some of that distance between us. And so this was a choice that we, we knew that it was gonna be hard, and, and, but we also knew that it was gonna be an opportunity for us to build some bridges um, because we know that this work um, and we're committed to this work and we know that it's gonna be long-term and we know that the next couple of weeks are gonna be really intense for some of us who wanna be um, committed on the front lines um, in prayer.
protest and direct action, um, or if we just want to, you know, get more in touch with our narratives and who we are um, as we understand ourselves. So thank you again um, for that courage and for stepping in and for those who are joining us for the first time or haven't been with us in a while. Um, thank you for, for being here and, and practicing um, stories with us.